In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the Pro Wrestling Edition. Yes, a very special edition of the Pro Wrestling Edition as your boy BC speaks to you now. Exhausted, under the weather, little hoarse voice from a hotel room in Las Vegas. Just days out from UFC 229, Connor and Habib. Nurmagomedov and McGregor, but that's not why you're here. I'm just letting you know, I'm still there for you, because I know the fans want to hear it. They want to feel it. They want to be injected by it. The one and only performance-enhancing audio. So your boy BC made some time to talk about all things WWE Super Showdown from Melbourne, Australia. We'll even have a great guest. Dolph Ziggler is here to show the world, and he's here to do this damn podcast. Talk about a lot of things that'll raise your ears. We will also, of course, get all kinds of revolutionary on you and recap NJPW fighting spirit and point it ahead because, man, this revolution is getting me fired up. I don't even know if you can hear my soundboard today. I got a bootleg setup, but if you're wondering whether I'm all in... Oh, come on. Oh, oh come, yeah. on, Brandy. come on, Brandy. All right, let's get right into it. I don't have a ton of time here. The Silver King is live from Florida. He's Adam Silverstein. He's the bad guy, and he's ready for your eardrums. Go ahead and penetrate him. What you got, Silver King? I don't, get do my, I don't get my intro? Could you hear that sound good? I heard this the is... first one, yeah. All right, all right. Then let me take it right back for you. And in this corner is my co-host. Oh, yeah. He never enters a podcast without his theme song. He's the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey, now, at least I don't have to do the theme song with the scratch like Dolph still inexplicably does for some reason. Um, the, here's the question. Here's the question about you in Las Vegas right now. Are the bed sheets dirty yet? Wow. 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 Because you've been in that hotel lot. room for, what, 15 minutes? So yeah, I'm assuming the answer is yes. Well, that is enough time. But no, come on. Come on. Get 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 out of there. Get there. We don't. We're gonna get right into the meat. We're gonna put our hands in the flesh and not even fool around. Not even talk to you about five star reviews. It's all about the five. Not even that crap. I do love our listeners. I don't know if we're gonna have time to hear from you, but we got to get into it. Adam, you want to do? Let's just do the show weird and off script this week. Forget about the segments. This interview is so good. We may have to just give it to him right away. Right. Well, I think this segment, BC, and I'll give you a second to find the sound, is the main event. <laughs> Because we spoke to Dolph Ziggler for 25 minutes earlier this week, and we don't, we're not the t- kind of guys who are going to come out and say, oh, Dolph Ziggler shoots on everyone. Well, you know what? He kind of did. He shot on every, every question we asked Dolph. He gave us a shoot answer, um, and you know what? Oh, different, that kind of shoot. Different Sorry. kind of shoot. Different kind of shoot. Um, but, but it was one of the best and most candid interviews I think we've had here on In This Corner, BC. Uh, I was thrilled that... WWE gave us the opportunity to speak with him, and he decided to spend so much time speaking with us. And let's just throw to it, right? Let's do it. Enjoy. He's here to show the world, and he's here to do the damn CBS Sports Wrestling Podcast. That's what I'm talking about, Dolph Ziggler. WWE Super Showdown, bro. Saturday, October 6th, this Saturday, 5 a.m. Eastern on the WWE Network from Down Under, from Melbourne. How fired up are you? Thanks for joining us here, Dolph. 
Man, I hope I can follow your energy. I was saving up for Saturday, but I guess we can start it now. Let's do it. Yeah, I got a fresh batch of Ico Pro. I am ready. Let's get in the gym. Let's do it together. You got a big feud, a big match. We can't wait for the six-man tag match. The Shield against Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, Braun Strowman. This is big business, Dolph. This is good stuff here. Tell us about this feud. It's pretty awesome, man. We've had some stuff for the last couple of months. We've just randomly been involved with each other and constantly bumping into each other and one way or another, whether it's me and Seth and me and Drew and Seth and Dean, and now you add the entire shield to the mix. You add the big, giant monster in the bank, Braun Strowman. Everything we do means something, and every inch we take from the shield puts a little other crack in their armor, and I, I know people know the shield for years and years and tell me how solid they are and how everything they have going is going so well, but I know for a fact that you can take the nostalgia of enjoying them. But one of them has turned their back on the other two in the past. And the sooner those cracks appear, the easier it will be for us. To yeah, they're, they're a bunch of lion backstabbers, those guys. Uh, look, you teaming up. Damn right. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. You and McIntyre getting together. Look, I was there in Hartford when it happened. The crowd went nuts. We love this. You got to give Drew the credit, right? He's got great pecs. We all know that. He's back. It's great to see him back. But let's be honest, Dolph, who's the Janetti here? Come on, just bring it. Who's the Janetti? Who's the Janetti? Um, there isn't one. You could, be, you, could be, uh, you could be a fan who's watched for a really long time and enjoyed me and then hated me and then loved me and then hated me and then hated me and then really hated me. And now you go, oh, he's okay, but I'm so sick. Like, you can judge that way all you want, but my – Facts don't care about your feelings. Check out the page. Check out everything I have on my resume. I've done it all. And all the while, not being loved by backstage, not being hand-fed to everybody, not being spoon-fed, not being forced on your throats. I've done all those accolades in my past by myself. And if anyone wants to, to try and call me on that, I would love to hear some some documentation where it says, oh, you've had too many opportunities and always thought I've never not made something amazing, whether it was a crumb or an entire footlong sub. So everything I've done, I've done to become better and have actually accomplished them. Now, Drew McIntyre had to leave to realize what he was missing, to realize what he needed to fix. And this is, I'm paraphrasing, basically his words. He came back razor sharp, laser Focus, walking, talking Terminator who says to me when we are not on camera, we need to rid this show and this roster of anyone who's pulling only 99%. And he means it. Wow. Wow. That got me fired up right there. The first part of what you said there, that's a shoot, brother. That That's the real deal. And, and you know the pulse, Dolph, of the wrestling fan, the wrestling journalist. And by the way, thin line between those two. Let me tell you that firsthand. But many Damn people, right. this podcast included, makes it part of our mission statement, right? To preach how Ziggler doesn't get the booking he deserves. They don't realize what they have over there in Stanford. Does this calendar year, though, put those ideals to rest? Uh, I mean, you can, you can take it that way if you wanted. All I'm saying was, I, I, I only, the only, you know, a part that actually has contributed to that is the fact that I'm too good of an athlete that I've never taken time off. I've never had to go 
get surgically repaired. I've never had to disappear for six months or eight months or a year and get something fixed because all of the, the damage I put my body through, which may be more than anyone else in this era, I'm so damn good at it and bouncing back because of my mental strength and physical strength that nothing keeps me down. Even years ago, when I was kicked in the brain and knocked out, one, I finished a match without remembering it and, it and it crushed. And two, I was cleared in two weeks, even after extreme safety protocol went through because the brain is very important and we know that now. And we went above and beyond. And I was two weeks. And by the way, those two weeks, I sent videos in from backstage of me being at home. So I didn't even miss the show because that's how strong I am mentally and physically. So you can chalk that up against me because you see me so much and you don't get to have me taken away. Or you can enjoy it and say, we always have him in our back pocket to make the best possible thing that could be on that show. And whether it's 30 seconds or 30 minutes, I promise you, I have made a career out of stealing the show. That's why we made it a t-shirt, because it happened too damn much. But you definitely get that itch, Dolph, knowing you, the performer. You definitely get that itch when you're being, you said you could be used in any way. But when you're being used to be used... I know you're getting that itch. I know you're knocking on that door. I know it's like that scene in Rudy where you put the jersey on the table. You're like, VKM, you got to play me, bro, or, or we're all walking away. Do you get as fired up as I am right now talking about your handling, your booking, your pushing through the years? Because you're a top-shelf star, guy. So how hard is it when you're not getting top-shelf booking? Uh, I mean, no matter what situation you're in, I, I, I've given this speech to several younger guys in the locker room on several occasions, even with so many superstars, so many stories, so many things going on, even when you're in the middle of something huge, something awesome, something monumental, or you become champion or you become world champion, the second it's not all about you, the second you're not making these great gains because of things that are out of your control, the fans turn on you. And that's really sad because your whole life is going to be filled with disappointment. This is show business and sports entertainment. You want to be the champion. Then you want to be the greatest champion of all time. Then you want to be the best talking, walking, living, breathing specimen. And you don't always get a chance to do that. More often than not, you don't. And in 13 years, 12 years combined have been getting punched in the gut physically and verbally, and one of those 13 years has been, for the most part, every positive thing you can get. So even when it's going great, you think that you should be deserving and wanting and calling for something better, and you always will. Otherwise, you shouldn't be in this business. Well, you definitely see like, seem like you've always had that passion, really from the very start in WWE, and a really hot topic among fans and people online has been your contract situation with WWE. And I don't think you've confirmed one way or another what that is or what became of it. And I'm not going to ask you that question. Instead, what I'm going to ask you is how close did you come either mentally or realistically to not returning to WWE this past cycle, let's call it? Um, is there something more than 100%? Um, I decided uh, many factors like something I just told you a minute ago where it was like I haven't gone away in 13 years is pretty ridiculous right and I thought I needed to do that and on several occasions 
I asked to do that. And on several occasions, I was told no. So I tried several more times over the last two years to do that and was finally told yes. And that six months or a year or going away for good turned into being gone for three weeks and brought back. So it's not always in my control. And uh, I assure you every day, at least every Monday, I'm the one talking to the boss about how to make the show better. I'm the one trying to make things better for the people that are in the matches or the stories that I'm involved in. And sometimes someone like me who is always in your back pocket needs to go away and I haven't done it yet. And then I decided, I guess I'll just have to do it myself. Uh, that could be very shortly. Uh, but I, you know, anytime I answer this and then everyone just goes, Oh, Ziegler's teasing that he's leaving again. It could be very shortly. It could be never. I, I can't tell you that because unless they want me to let everyone know, I will not be doing that. So following up on what you just said, and Chris Jericho, I think is someone who talks about this a lot is your career in WWE or, you know, pushing for the direction you want your character to go or even, even other characters to go. A lot of times you have to force it upon management and you have to get in either Vince's ear or someone else's ear about what you want to happen. Do you feel like a lot of young talent these days isn't as comfortable doing that as more veteran guys like Jericho, like yourself? No, it, it, the, the sad part is the veteran guys who have known Vince since the Attitude Era and have you know been there when it was crazy hot have his ear more even if it's not always in the best interest. So it's not that they don't do that. It's that they do it and there's nowhere else to go. So you go, hey, man, I, I don't feel comfortable doing this, or this isn't my thing. I, someone else should be doing this. And they're like, well, you could, you know, sit in catering, or you could quit. And you're like, oh, okay, well, yeah, I don't know how other people's interactions go, and I don't want to know. I like mine, where I go, here's how I can make this better. Do you like it? And sometimes he says, that's a great idea. And sometimes he says, that is absolutely not what we're going for. But the fact that I think people uh, are constantly in there trying to make things better, a lot of times, this is show business, so people are trying to make themselves, you know, come right. out better, which I understand. Uh, but I just, I feel like those Attitude Era guys who go, hey, why don't you just do this? And you go, that's not how this business works anymore. Because once you do make some crazy decision on a flight, you go, oh, it's, you know, it's in your hands. And you go to do it yourself. You are now possibly jeopardizing a story for some other people, a television show that is now a team. And you never know what that could lead to. So you don't have that option to just go, go to hell, I'm going to do what I want. And maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. Because there's been a couple of times in the past where I said, this is the right thing to do. And I was told no, and I did it. And three out of four times, it blew the roof off and was the absolute right move. And four out of four times, I was told, don't ever do that again. It doesn't matter if it's better. This is a team, not about you. Wow. Wow, good stuff there, Dolph. I got an idea. If you want to get over all the time, if you want to be wrestling Roman for that big damn belt, maybe you just need to send a box of merch and gimmicks to the king of Saudi Arabia. Because if he wants Taker, Taker's going to show up in the desert, bro. That's a little pro tip for you, Dolph. Send a couple of them pink t-shirts his way. I don't totally get the reference, but it sounded great. All right, all right, well, all right. That's that's great. That's great right <laughs> I don't, there. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah all right, well, all right, all right. Well, our fans got it. That's right. Great. Dolph. When you okay. start this feud with Seth Rollins, we all get fired up because you know what we start saying? We get real nerdy. We, we sit in our basements and we start going, wow, if you, this guy wrestles this guy, 
we could get to five stars. And I know that's a big, you know, ha, ha, ha. But really, when you guys match up, the potential to, you know, tear the roof down is every Monday night. It's not just the pay-per-views. But when you had the Iron Man match, Extreme Rules, July, we're like, we're finally going to get it. We're just going to roll the balls out and see how good these guys are together. Dolph, we didn't quite get there, but it may have been them damn paying customers who didn't get us there. Give us your reaction to that match. I don't know what the heck those people were doing. We railed on them. What's your What's your response? Uh, it's both. Like in the in the moment, I was disappointed because here's why. It really bummed me out because one, people wanted to see this match. Two, every day people tell me this would be a dream match. This match. This guy. That. And if there's no story, you're just an idiot mark pitching for guys that you like. So when there's a story and a reason and a buildup, that's where the emotion is. That's where you can get to a great story. And if you have two superstars who you love to watch, that makes all the difference now that piled in with the story. When that is not the case, it's not the case. And you go, hey, man, this is not the time. The story was there. The key elements were there. The focus, the seriousness. And two of the top superstars of this generation were ready to go. And then the fans that I'm assuming got your Undertaker reference were the same ones that said, <laughs> please don't put Roman in the main event. Please let the two best going today tear it down, and we will owe you one. Let us have this. And I only resent that. It's not some reading dirt sheets. I was told the social media report says, the world is begging for this match to be the main event. And here's why you fans, in your case, yours, not you know, the ones around the world. I appreciate that. When you beg for that, there's a reason you can't have nice things. Because in this day and age where everybody's famous for five minutes, whether it's Instagram likes or on social media, the fans wanted to be the star of the show. And here's the deal. Here's the flip side. It's WWE. We want the fans to do whatever the hell they want, and they did. So that's the good part, and it stuck it to our match. And uh, we had something really special planned, and it just wasn't great because of that. But, you know, now you know why when you beg for things, there's a reason you don't get them sometimes. Because you don't know how to handle it. It's sad. It is. And like you said, the fans definitely cared more about putting themselves over in that moment than putting you guys over, which is certainly an issue. But I do want to also briefly, because at some point we're going to have to get off the phone with you here. I do want to talk about the one time the fans truly put you over. And for me, it's one of the best, I guess, almost year long or so runs of anyone in WWE history. And this is my personal opinion that 2002, you having the money in the bank briefcase, the feud with Orton, the feud with Jericho, and then that cash in moment, right? I think we've heard from a lot of people on the periphery, what they thought of that leading into the last money in the bank pay-per-view. We were able to introduce some others to you. What was that year like? And what was that moment like when you finally became world heavyweight champion by actually, I guess, winning a match. Let's put it that way. Uh, I mean, uh, that th- that moment was unreal. That year was was really really fun, uh, but it was a li- here's a little bit of a, a a damper on that part from a business aspect for me looking back. When you have that briefcase and you have that contract, you have some leeway to where you can lose a little bit more. You don't you're not too really focused on winning. You're hoping that getting 
tasks at hand done, maybe getting some cheap shots here and there, because at any point, any point, any second, you can become world champion, and that's amazing. There's a reason that's amazing, because one, I was told to my face, I would never be world champion here on multiple occasions. Then I was told to my face, no one will care when you become world champion here. And both of those are so hilariously wrong, it makes me laugh, except I'm going to get to the sad part. The, <laughs> as soon as I became world champion, and it was friggin' amazing, my music played. I knew it would be like a cool reaction. I didn't know that I'd have goosebumps on my entire body. The, the sound and the reaction of people who said, we were here from the grassroots with this guy. We did this. And they did. Because of those fans, I was put in that situation which is mind-blowing. I wasn't handpicked. I wasn't somebody's son. I didn't, you know, it's not a favor. I wasn't coming, you know, to promote a movie and they put me in this position. I couldn't believe it. I earned this by earning the respect of the fans, no matter what I did. And it was awesome. And the next Monday, um, I went right back to losing matches and it was really disappointing to me. Um, but that moment and that I wouldn't have it any other way because there was a couple ways to go about that, becoming world champion, cashing in that contract. And the fact that it was me cashing in on a good guy who had just wrestled and was severely injured, and I still almost lost two or three times in that three minutes, makes it the absolute Dolph Ziggleriest cash-in ever. <laughs> and I love it for that because there was two times when you see this crazy emotion – and people open their mouth and go, Ziggler blew it again. Oh, my God. And I took it away from him. And I, I have a great chemistry with Del Rio, and we put together something very special there. And uh, it, but personally, one of my favorite things was uh, myself and him at Payback, I think, in Chicago, where uh, he targeted my concussion head, and mm -hmm. we kind of uh, absorbed into some different roles while telling an amazing story. So when fans come up to me and tell me flips are cool and finishers are awesome, I am a, I'm a nut for the psychology and the story. And that is one of those very few times where I take this as an art. And that was a friggin' classic in my head because of all the aspects involved, not just moves. Dolph, I got to jump in here and ask you this because it's almost weird that we're spending the majority of this conversation, by the way, you've been great, this has been fantastic, talking about the missed opportunities in your career when obviously, I mentioned off the top, 2018's been amazing for you. We love having you here in this spot. But you just said, you know, a couple references of guys telling you, you'll never be that guy. What, what's missing? What do, what do you not have? Because we see it, what's missing? Um, I, I don't know. I think some people meet you and then they they make a decision right then and there and uh but also hey man i was told i would never be world champion and i did so somehow some way you take everything you get and you just keep scratching and clawing and along the way you build this grassroots campaign and sometimes it goes away and sometimes you get it and sometimes you get a chance to, someone gets hurt and you step in and you fight for the world title that's happened to me on a couple different occasions and it was awesome and there's a couple times where you're doing everything right. You've got it all figured out. 
you can go on Fox Business and speak your mind politically and still tell a story, and you can be educated, and you can be someone that can be Googled for having an all-time winningest wrestler at Kent State, and you can have a political science degree and a pre-law minor, and you can go talk at a trade show. You can talk at a Comic-Con. You can talk to business people. You can do everything. You can go do stand-up comedy on your one day off because you're an ultimate renaissance man, and you could still come to work and go, tonight is not your night because this is show business. So you either quit or you keep going and deciding your fate on your own. And at the end of the day, if you've done everything that you possibly can to make yourself the best and you're still not part of that group, that's life. But you can at least sleep at night. Yeah, yeah. There's a little Tony Robbins in there, too. I like it. You're firing me up right now, Dolph. I don't need to be any more fired up than I am, but I'm getting there, brother. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I know. That. How are you going to be able to save that for Saturday? Oh, man. I, yeah, oh, yeah. Seriously, Mark, milk of Marknesia flowing all over the place. Uh, I did want to ask you real quick about influences, because when we see you, you know, we see the 80s hair rock vibe character. We see tastes of HBK, tastes of Ric Flair, but we still see a lot of Dolph Ziggler. What are your influences? How did you make this character? Uh, yeah, see, a couple people have been like, I don't really get your heavy metal character or whatever. I go, I'm not a heavy metal character. I just like pants like that and wearing my hair like the 80s because I go to shows with my friend, Brad Attitude, all the time. So that's just like a fun thing. Uh, my character is guy who can do everything in the business and is still scratching and clawing to get better every day, whether I'm a bad guy or a good guy. In the last couple of Mondays, I've been speaking very truthfully to Dean Ambrose. And anyone in the shield, I'm just talking the truth there. And there's been a couple of months here to where Drew and myself have said things. We've said when people are good, we give them credit. And when people aren't cutting it, we let them know. And I don't understand uh, how we're exactly the bad guys, but I get it. Nostalgia is cool. And you know the shield from a few years ago. So I guess that evens out everything that we say. But it's just that's how life is, man. I, I give everything I can. Uh, when I can, I influence my character as much as I can but for the most part this is a TV show where we go out there and beat the hell out of each other and you try and come out on top each day and uh, my influences when I can I can get you know I like 80s uh, hair metal and glam metal stuff so when I can add a logo to my pants or you know flat iron my hair I think that's cool but it's not my character like hey guys look I'm a heavy metal character it's just that's fun my character is me being more me every single day whenever I can you know Get my hands on it. Now, we'll get you out of here on this. You may have to jog your memory a little bit, but you're talking about things you do away from the ring. How much fun did you have taping Silent Library with MTV? Yes. It was the worst. What? Um, it was awesome. It was, yeah, for you guys. It yeah, was, for yeah, me, yeah. We assumed it was a fun MTV thing, but then when we got to it, it was – I got hit in the crotch – so hard with line drive balls that I was black and blue in that area for several weeks because of that situation. So it was <laughs> awful, but I'm glad everybody could watch the clip back and laugh because now that I know that my pain and suffering was for a handful of laughs from the MTV crowd, I think that's fantastic. But uh, yeah, watching the show, you're like, oh, cool. Who are going to help do these things? And they're like, oh, no, it's you. And you go, well, it's for charity. Okay, we're on board. So that's how it all went. Find it on YouTube. Kurt Hawkins slingshotted those balls at me, and I went down, man. <laughs> it's this Saturday, Dolph Ziggler, WWE Super Showdown, 5 a.m. Eastern on the WWE Network. You're going to see Ziggler 
Dolph, uh, Drew McIntyre, excuse me, Braun Strowman against the Shield. Can't wait for that six-man tag. Dolph, thanks so much for giving us your time, your energy. You're, you're the real deal. This was a shoot. I loved it. Great chatting with you, man. Best of luck. Go out there and continue to steal the show. And don't let the man get you down on your way there, all right? Yeah, it's only been 13 years. I won't because uh, I keep going because that's how I sleep at night, knowing I've given everything I can. And if anyone wants to step up to me and try and take it in the shield with nostalgia or not, I'm here and I ain't going away. Thanks, brother. Wow. Wow. Normally we don't hit the did you feel that Daniel Bryan button after an interview, but that kind of got me fired up. I'm not, again, I'm not going to say we told you so, but we told you so. That was a pretty damn revealing interview before we unwrap it, Adam, pull me out of the mark zone if I'm in it. Did we get did we get it worked? Because I feel like there, there was some shooting. I felt like it was uh it was some some fire and some bullets were going by. Well, I think it's a combination. I think he delivered to us what we wanted him to do, whether he fully believed it or not. So I think it's fair to say a lot of that came from a, tr- a center of truth within him, uh, exaggerated to play up his character and the type of guy he is. I think. Your energy in that interview, which is constant whenever we do interview someone, had him on tilt a little bit throughout. And I got to be honest, I didn't understand the joke he made either. Did I just deliver that weird? I got to go back and listen to that again. I think you did. So the joke was, you want to get over, you got to get on the side of the Sultan of Saudi Arabia. Because if that guy asks for Taker or a... Or Yoko Zudo, that guy gets him, right? So send that guy a box of gimmicks, and uh, maybe he'll end up uh, I just think the, I think the context control. was lost within the interview at the moment. Yeah, that you know, we're, we're crazy marks, and he's just a performer. He's probably not thinking about this type of stuff, the, right? The, he, doesn't, he doesn't care if this plays out as a house show on Saturday morning at 5 a.m. or not, Adam, like we might. Exactly. And I do think he is someone who, if we did have an hour— that interview would have gone differently and gone more in depth than some of the topics that we brought up. But when we do interview these guys, oftentimes we're against the clock and we feel the need, hey, let's get in as much as we possibly can because A, we don't know what the answers are going to be and B, we don't know if we're going to interview them again. So we want to get those questions out of the way. If we do get an opportunity to interview him again, I have a lot of different angles and I'm sure you do too, where I want to go with Dolph Ziggler because Yeah, he's great. First of all, he's great. He he cares about the answers. He, he he delivers. He's got that chip on his shoulder. He's arrogant. But whether the, the tip of the sword, just for a second, just to see how it feels, dips in the direction of work or shoot, there was some shooting at least going on. And you can tell he's unhappy with his lot. He was unhappy with his lot. We didn't get to bring it up. But his you know little spiel on the Edge and Christian show, I think, is what got him this push right now. And despite what he says, I think he's hanging around. Because I think he's going to hang around the main event picture for a while. But you love to hear, after all these years, that he's still still a little bit salty, that he was never a golden boy. He was never one of their guys. And he sort of made it this far despite upper management, if you will. Yet, he's still, still a little bit sore about it. So I don't think he's upset with his lot. I mean, I think he believes that if WWE listened to him and allowed him to disappear for four to six months, not to go elsewhere, just to not be on TV and not be involved in a storyline, that when he would come back, he would be nuclear over and maybe would be in a position to put the title on him and give him the push that he believes, rightfully, in our, in our opinion, I'll speak for both of us, that he deserves. But they've never given him the chance. And then when they finally did, and they were doing this storyline that had us all intrigued in December, 
and he drops the he wins the U.S. title and then drops it. And I'm like, man, I wonder what's going to happen with Dolph Ziggler. And 30 days later, he's the number 30 entry in the Royal Rumble, and it's like, oh, okay, that's what they're doing with him. You know, so you know, there's something to that. There's something to getting injured, being out for 10, 11 months, and then coming back and completely refreshing and dropping on the scene. Some guys are injury prone, so they've been able to take advantage of that multiple times. Maybe Dolph's problem is he's too consistent. It seemed to be his problem that they, quote unquote, use him too much, meaning they use him to do jobs because he's so consistent. But, yeah, I think all in all, he's fighting for himself right now whether we want to believe how much he's knocking on VKM's door or not. So I like the candidness. I like how much he's putting himself over because you got to kind of live that. To be that badass, you got to live it. You got to be that. It feels like he's doing what we always want Finn Balor to do. And we don't know Finn Balor, so I'm talking out of a position of ignorance, but it seems like he is happy to be in WWE and do what he's doing. And we want Finn Balor in major storylines and with the title and so on and so forth. And it doesn't from the periphery, seem like he's fighting for that, where Dolph, we know, is fighting for it, and it may not matter sometimes the way he fights for it, and that's the frustration. And he's going, look, everyone has that opportunity. I'm doing it. The other guys may not be, but I'm, I'm going to, and I'm not going to stop. And I like that. Yeah, well, at least he's not teaming with Bailey every week on SmackDown in a uh, tease to the Mixed Match Challenge. So at least there's that. Well, that's on Raw anyway, but yes, I- I'm with you on Is that. Is that really on Raw? Yes. See, it, it, I, I can't fast forward fast enough. So wow, 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 wow. Okay, well, look, we have a lot of show left, so let's move on from here. Thank you, Dolph, obviously, for coming on and doing that interview. We had a great time doing it. But BC, we do have WWE Super Showdown coming up. Melbourne, Australia, Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, uh, Saturday at 5 a.m., which, man, Saturday for me, college football Saturday, the Habib-Connor McGregor fight in the evening, this is going to be a long-ass day, so... Into that, let me let me break this down and, and let me open well, this. Well, before you break it down, I'm going to ask you a logistics question. That's 2 a.m. for me, Vegas time this weekend. But in the Silver King's life, you got a big college football to prepare for. Yeah. But in the past, Silver King, you've gotten up at the uh, ass crack of dawn, if you will, sure. to join the revolution. And I tip my cap to you for Wrestle Kingdom 12, et cetera, yep. et cetera. Yep. I'm not saying super showdowns on par with Wrestle Kingdom 12, but did you at least consider – Waking up at 5 a.m. So I've given it a thought. The problem is, uh, you know, inside baseball here, we are shorthanded uh, editorially on, with CBS Sports on this upcoming Saturday. And because of that, I need to be the the man once again, as I always am, uh, but running the McGregor-Habib editorial side, everything basically that Brian does not do. Brian runs our live coverage. He does a fantastic job, but he still needs an editor. And that's my job. So um, because I need to do that and because I will be working likely until 2 a.m. Eastern, I don't see how I can wake up at 5 a.m. Eastern and have that be my day. So no, I am not going to watch live. My plan though is to wake up around 9 a.m., avoid spoilers, watch it. What to me would be live, right? A fresh-minded and put together a results story for CBSSports.com. So what that means, everybody out there, do not tweet the Silver King because Correct. nobody gets angrier to have the wrestling spoiled for a guy who goes on Twitter during wrestling events that he's not watching and then gets mad when they get spoiled. Because they're during Monday Night Football and people need to be cognizant of that. If you notice, when I- They don't t- need to be cognizant of crap. They've been going up against Monday Night Football since 1993. Yeah, and their ratings are going down this year because they're getting murdered the last two weeks. But if you'll notice, 
all the times I tweet during Raw, even when it's not football season, all my tweets are semi-vague, and they're about the moment, and I don't mention specific things that happen. I do that on purpose. I do that for you, so that if you are DVRing Raw, like many people do, you don't get your show spoiled. Wow. There's and I'm Barry Horowitzing myself. From the Silver and you see, the Barry wow. Horow- you see the Barry Horowitz pet on the back right here for doing wow. that. All right, all BC, right. we got a lot hey, of show fam- left. Famous Jewish wrestler, Barry Horowitz, a Jewish superstar, right? That is true. We got a lot of show left. Let us get into WWE Super Showdown, and I'm going to start you off with this. I want to know your exact expectations for this show. Do you expect it to be a glorified house show like Money in the Sand, a regular WWE pay-per-view, or I'll let you hedge and go somewhere in between? So I I can't find the DM right now, but uh, we got two specific DMs of people who are putting their fandom on the line this weekend. That's ridiculous. Go ahead. I'm not there because I will give WWE credit. I like the shows this week. I loved them last week. Were we coming from a dead time? Yes, where I was ready to run away and hide. This has to be better than the Money in the Sand was. It has to be. It will. It has to be. How confident am I? My expectations that it will be a real pay-per-view. I'm nervous, but I'm going to say this. And I'm not making the same claim that these other people are that they're done. I'm not that far deep. But there is pressure on them to be better than Money in the Sand, without question. There's pressure on them to lean a lot closer to an actual pay-per-view. I think the setup and the booking for some of these feuds leads you to believe we're going to get something fun. A couple of the feuds feels like they're going on too long, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to put a little pressure on them and say, you're not going to lose me, but you better bring it. You better make this a real – and there's no reason why this shouldn't be a real pay-per-view, Adam, because when is the the all – excuse me, the evolution one is at the end of the month, right? Correct. Right before the, the – uh, the, the return to Saudi, then this is October's pay-per-view, correct? I mean, this is essentially, well, what was our last pay-per-view? I mean, we just Three had weeks? Hell in a Cell. We just had Hell in a Cell, but this is basic. Evolution is October's pay-per-view. This is, it's for that reason that I feel like this is a combination. You know, you, I think you're right. I but think I don't think there's anything wrong. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with moments, that. And there's going to be a lot of house show BS, right? But I don't think there's anything wrong with that because admittedly, they're going to, uh, I almost said Saudi Arabia, they're going to Australia, a place that they don't go and that fans are jacked up for. So you simultaneously need to give them things that are nostalgic, that aren't necessarily important, that can be fun. John Cena and Bobby Lashley, Undertaker, Triple H. But you also need to give them things that they're watching on TV every week. And I think WWE, as much as we were upset that they're allowing this six-man tag on Raw to really take over three titles and all the storylines, they've actually built a storyline over a few months with these six guys, and they are leading into this pay-per-view with what they're doing on TV. So if they're going to do that, how can we really fault them if they're actually giving us a storyline with, it may not be a payoff, but something close to it? Well, we can't fault them yet until we see the show. That's the honest truth, because if it's a if we're on this trend of them not coming through in the big shows and that the pyramid is inverted, then how how much are we going to care anymore? How much are we going to be dialed in? So I'm, I'm not going down the negative road. I'm going to give them a chance. I'm going to give you a chance, WWE. You don't have to have put out a five-star show. You don't have to put out the pay-per-view of the year. But it's got to lean closer to toward what we want than even being anything like money in the sand and what we don't want, okay? Yeah. And that goes all the way even for the old guys that are back as well. Let's make this feel like it matters, like it's a pay-per-view. Because we know what it is. You're transparent about it, WWE. We know what this is. This is a money grab. You're bastardizing the return of Shawn Michaels for the damn money. We know that. At least fool us with the product on on Saturday morning. I'm not going to be watching it live. 
but but some of you will, and God bless all of but you. But you're Thank right. You. You're right. All we're asking is for them to fool us. Whereas with yeah. mo- whereas with money in the sand, it, they did not fool us. We were watching that. I don't want to use the word disgusted, but it progressively got like, oh wow, this really is just a glorified house show, and oh wow, this really is pathetic and promoting the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And oh wow, this really is all about the money. Yeah, this one, let's forget that ever happened. This one we know. Well, we're not going to be able to. We're not going to be able to forget because one month from now, we'll be talking money in the sand too. Or will we? We'll get to that. Hey, by the <laughs> way, Thanos Backlund, our great listener, did DM in and said Adam's suggestion of money down under cannot work under any circumstance. I said maybe it was it was a Genetti of nickname options. He countered and said no, it was the Ryback of nickname options. So you're gonna have to take that up, Adam. Did I say Thanos money? Backlund. Did I say money down under? But my point is, I can't find the guy who DM'd it. But somebody said this should be called Out Backlash, and I popped for that. I, popped I like Out Backlash. That. That's I'm okay with it. Let's see how good it is, or how bad it is, and then we'll determine what kind of nickname to give it. But I don't think my money down under was uh, a legitimate suggested nickname. I think I just said it. So there was a hedge. There's a hedge. Thanos. No, there's no. There was a hedge. Live hedge from Las Vegas. There you go. Oh, I have a feeling you'll be doing plenty of hedging out there. All right, let's get to this card. We have a lot to get through. We'll start with the Cruiserweight Championship. Cedric Alexander defending against Buddy Murphy from Melbourne, Victoria, Australia, B.C. That's all you needed to say right there. Buddy Murphy's going to win because he's down under. He's in his home city. Our guy, Omar Elver, she's going to be going sick. And it should happen this way. It's time to put it on Buddy. You know what I think about Buddy Murphy. He's the biggest damn stud in the whole damn company. What do I, how do I define stud? I don't know, but this guy's a badass. I want to see him go places. Let's have a feud. Could you, could he lose, but still get over being a dirty heel? Yes, but no, he's in his hometown. Give him the damn belt. Adam, there's never been anybody more ready. Maybe since Jason Jordan last summer, when we were all high on him, that I just want to see the rocket ship, not only strapped to his back, but strapped down under, if you will, and just see where this thing's going to go. Well, the Am weird... I drinking the Buddy Murphy juice too much? Because put me in my place here. Oh, no, no. I'm drowning in it, too. Uh, the weird thing about him, Oh, though, wow. So is Alexa. Hey-o. Hey-o. Uh, the weird thing about it is he was red hot, and they cooled him off significantly, like tag teaming with Tony Nese, and the matches were good. But they took a guy who was week after week putting on incredible jaw-dropping matches on 205 Live, and they took him, they had him lose, you know, twice. They took him completely out of the picture, and now he's back. He has to win. This match has to be incredible. And honestly, you want to usually start the show with something that is going to bring people in, like a bigger match. I think you start the show with this. Because even though this isn't Daniel Bryan Miz, and it's not John Cena Lashley, I understand those are big names. This is the hometown guy, and you give a hometown guy a title to open a show in Australia. They know him. The local fans know Murphy. He will get over so massively. It is the right move. I'm with you. I'm with you. Let's roll on. Give me something to say four hot minutes for. Let's do it. Okay, I'll give you one immediately to say four hot minutes and get me out of here. Asuka and Naomi against also hometown the Iconics. Well, in theory, it should be one of those, but I want to see the Iconics get a huge response, and I want to see them do their full-on shtick. Yeah. Because apparently our Aus- we got a lot of Aussie listeners, as we've established on the show. Apparently, they say what the Iconics are doing are what is the equivalent of the American Valley Girl, right? That's what that, yes. they're, they're claiming. Omar El-Rashid, our guys, are saying, no, that's how they all sound down there. Well, then you know what, Omar? 
they all sound pretty damn hot. I'll be honest with that. <laughs> but uh, let's let them have moments here. Let's let them be cheered as baby faces, but act like heels to get the victory. You want to go four minutes? That's fine. But make it hot. No, I, so I'm with you on almost all of that, except I want them to lose. Because they don't have a necessary reason to win. There's no title on the line. Asuka and Naomi should go over because Asuka can't just keep losing matches. And I don't care that it's in Australia. Get the crowd going with them. Boo Asuka. I'm fine with that because I want Asuka as the suited heel again. I want her to turn on Naomi. I'm down for it. I guess. I don't want to break this to you right now, but I'll have to. Asuka will never be the Asuka that we once loved. You are wrong. You are wrong. She will never be that again. They have killed her. You are wrong. All right. Definitively wrong. I'm going to tell you that right now. All right. Moving on. SmackDown Tag Team Championship, The New Day, defending their titles against The Bar. You know, I'll I'll go quick on this one, BC. There hasn't been any legitimate build here, and I've had an issue with it from day one when you consider The Bar lost two different tag team number one contendership tournaments, lost both of them, and then was just given this match after the fact. It doesn't make sense. I don't care. The New Day, I guess, should retain because I don't know what the hell. You know, Here's what's weird, BC. We were praising SmackDown for having an incredible tag team division and crapping on Raw for having an awful one. It has completely flipped. Wow, you almost Cochran does. Makes no sense. I almost did. It yeah. doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. I don't mean to pull a Nick Costos right here. And what I mean by that is somebody ripped something that obviously deserves to be ripped. And then Costos goes, hey, you know what? I kind of like that. That's a Costos <laughs> move right there. And you know what? On Tuesday, I kind of like the whole pancake oh, gimmick. I kind of like on. that door getting the batter poured over his head. Come so, on. I mean, am I a consistent wrestling fan? I don't know. Some of this goofy stuff I hate. Some of this goofy stuff I love. You know what? I'm kind of down for this match. Don't take the titles off of them. Let the New Day win. Let it be fun. Give me about 14 hot minutes. Let's go. Let's roll. Oh, on. they are not giving this match 14 minutes. All right. Uh, up next, let's talk a match that we actually do care about. Daniel Bryan against The Miz for the number one contendership to the WWE title. And I feel like that is getting lost and has barely been mentioned. I mean, they both talk about wanting to be champion, but WWE has really not been promoting that this is a number one contendership match and how important that is. So Tuesday night, we saw Miz beat the absolute hell out of Daniel Bryan after Shelton Benjamin got the win. Um, Miz aided win, I should say. What did you think about the segment on Tuesday? And and really, how do you think this match is going to play out? Well, I felt from Monday and Tuesday, did they run out of... Did, was there a sale on uh, heel distraction finishes? I mean, like, was did we really see that like five separate times? Or was I just, did I just watch Raw and SmackDown back-to-back and got... got no, no, you saw that. And if you notice, and this kind of plays into... Maybe this will be a glorified house show. If you notice, the heel stood tall in almost every single segment on Monday and Tuesday. So this is going to be a big baby face uh, money, money grab show on Saturday morning, right? It might be. Oh, God. By the way, WWE, can't you get that at an hour we can watch it on? I'm not going to watch it anyway, but can't you put this show at a damn hour we can see it? What's the compromise it's here? In, it's what time in Australia, is that in man. Aussie? It's in Australia. Yeah, but what time is that? It's like their Aussie? evening. Can't they startle? Uh... No, this is the best they could have done. Based on, right. like, the time difference. Well, you know what? It's not good. No, I like the Shelton Benjamin situation. I like – that's a good use of him. That played out well. Yeah. Where this feud is going, I'm not really sure. I don't think I'm ready for Dan O'Brien to get one back. Would it make sense in the story? If we're going really long to Mania, maybe it does. But I am kind of have low expectations. I'm not negative against it. I want to see if they've got 
something extra in the story to show me or if they're just using these two guys to pad this card to sell more tickets. Yeah, I'm really curious about what they decide to do here because you would make the assumption that the winner of this match will dictate the winner of the WWE title match. So you would assume if Miz wins, then AJ retains. And if Brian wins, then Samoa Joe wins the title because you would want the heel versus face. I just don't necessarily know if that is going to be the case because I really don't know what the hell WWE is doing with their main title right now. Like we badly or I badly, I shouldn't speak for you, want Samoa Joe to win this title from AJ. And I don't care if it happens in Australia, Denmark, Japan, or the United States. So, okay, I'm going to go with that. But then if Miz wins the number one contendership, which he should, because you would want Miz, if there was going to be a title match with Brian, you would want the heel Miz to be the one with the title going into that match, you would want Miz to, uh, Daniel Bryan to win it off of him, then Joe Miz doesn't make much sense as a feud. Um, and Joe losing to Miz wouldn't make much sense either. So I'm really discombobulated. What I can tell you is I loved that Shelton Benjamin got a semi-clean win over Daniel Bryan if you're going to put him in that type of position. Um, I will go ahead and guess that the Miz wins. I mean, I, I actually, to be honest, I forgot there there was that stipulation of the of the singles opportunity. It does put a little bit more onus that they can't just mail it in. Will they smosh finish us? If they smosh finish us here and use the tease, you know what? They are going to smosh finish us, aren't they? Well, there's something on the line, so that it wouldn't make much sense. I mean, Miz might get like a distraction that helps him win. You know what? Maybe if they really want to play into true life, because what? Things that happen in real life that turn into storylines, it always works, right? Can't Brie injure Daniel Bryan? <laughs> she tries to interfere to help Daniel Bryan and instead hurts him. Yeah, yeah. That, no, that's pretty, pretty funny. But that'd be pretty funny. Uh, yeah. No, the, the stipulation does make this a much more important match. I, I apologize in my original analysis. I want to see the – look, we we want to see Daniel Bryan in a – I think it's too early to get Daniel Bryan into a title feud. That's what I'm saying. I like The Miz to get this and – I like the I'd like a Ms. AJ feud. Are you kidding me? I would Are you, love like that. a stay busy Ms. AJ feud? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I would love that. And I wouldn't mind AJ losing to Ms. either, except it would mean that he doesn't lose to Samoa Joe. And that's an issue for me. Hey, they got options. This is a positive. They do. This no, is a I mean we're talking we're, we're semi-complaining here, but SmackDown is intriguing and we're actually saying we don't know what's gonna happen. And that's what you want out of wrestling, not to know what's gonna happen. Moving on, uh I really don't even want to talk about this match. I think there's something way more important we can talk about. But John Cena teaming with Bobby Lashley, presumably with Leo Rush in their corner, going up against Kevin Owens and Elias and just a random tag yeah, team match. Nobody to get, cares. To get and John I don't C even want to see John Cena back right now. Nobody cares. No. Except for what you're going to throw to, which was Raw, which was amazing. Okay. So go talk about it. I mean, all right. I'll, I'll preface it like this. Yes, John Cena has not appeared on WWE TV. Who cares about him? Honestly, kind of. Who cares about Lashley? BC, on Monday night, I saw something inside of a WWE ring that actually got me tingling. I was in bed falling asleep because I was watching Raw after Monday Night Football. I was exhausted. And all of a sudden, with an eye half closed, I heard Elias drop that line about the Seattle Supersonics. And my eyes shot open, and I was transfixed as I watched the Seattle crowd. By the way, Seattle crowd. The Seattle crowd boo this man for five straight minutes. When is the last time you I saw think it was a more than five? Like it kept lingering those boos. When's the last time you saw a, a legitimate reaction like that? I don't even think I can compare it. It was so organic that I thought it was fake for a while. That I was actually like mad at WWE, thinking that they shot it in and you know in the uh, in the speakers or something. It was so good that I even think that carried through 
to the Undertaker segment because that Undertaker pop was obscene. And I think the energy carried through from the Elias moment. I don't actually kind of get why this happened. Do I get the joke? Obviously. Do I get the idea that Seattle could be sore about losing the Sonics? Of course. I don't get why they could be that sore, though. Like, this was a fun, amazing moment that if you noticed the ish and giggles from uh, KO and Elias and seemed to really show you that they didn't inspect that either. That was fantastic. The only plus on Cena being in this feud is it does tell the end of a story of what started over the holidays when Cena came back to to face Elias. Remember on Christmas night, for example? So I guess there's a roundabout where that would make sense. But this match is pretty much going to stink unless they're building something with Elias and KO that goes beyond this. And I only say that because that hug they gave in the middle of the ring, I was waiting for the announcers to remind you, hey, the last guy KO got friendly with and chummy with, right? Well, I guess that was Sammy who was injured. But before that, the last guy was Jericho and that didn't end too well. Are they building the brotherhood thing here? Yeah, I don't know. It did seem like they were exceptionally close there. And I don't, I mean, I'd like Kevin Owens to be able to stand on his own and be himself. Like he's sitting buddy-buddy with Elias, like, singing with him and, like, joking around and laughing about this. But when he returned and attacked Jinder Mahal and did all this, not Jinder Mahal, uh, Bobby Lashley and did all this stuff, it looked like he was going back to, like, prize fighter KO days. And now he's smiling again. So, I mean, just, why can't we just treat Kevin Owens like a great heel wrestler like he can be? Like a sociopath that he is. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. It's Nobody so cares who wins this. Let's roll on. Yeah, I'm with you on that. By the way, uh, you want to call me a heel for the San Antonio crowd? And I got, I didn't get crap for it. I guess people just laughed at it. I am very pro Seattle. WWE, based on that reaction, should go there once a month. They should have a WrestleMania in Seattle. Go Seattle. That was, that crowd was fantastic. Hey, All the night. last time they had a WrestleMania in Seattle, Brock Lesnar almost broke his neck. So, mm-hmm. okay. that's worse things. Um, all right. SmackDown Women's Championship. Becky Lynch, show stealing Becky Lynch coming in as the champion against Charlotte Flair. Oh God. Is it just Can... me? Now, BC, answer this question before you, you cream all over yourself here. Um, oh, come was... on. I mean, that's just – we don't we – don't... <laughs> wow. Go ahead. Yeah, was, go was ahead. In the, main, in, in the final moments of the show, when Charlotte attacked Becky, was she acting like a heel or was the crowd treating her like a heel? Charlotte was getting retribution as a babyface, so she was not acting like a heel. She was getting 2018 booed for – trying to attack the one they love more. Either way, good lord, this is good. Yeah. Like, and it's not even, like, in crazy creative, right? It's pretty damn basic. Very basic. Becky, I mean, I hate to say I told you so, but anybody who was like, why are we doing Becky as a heel? Let her become who she's supposed to become, which is the best version of herself ever. She's, I, I know when somebody's about to get a main title push, they tend to get in a little bit better shape. That'd actually be a good question to ask a wrestler. They seem to have an 11-month-a-year shape, and then they got that WrestleMania shape or that title push shape, which is that extra set of Kota Obushi abs they can carve out of stone. Bex got that, and, you know, I don't want to get all weird and gross with you and hit the zipper button, but, man, she's like 15 times hotter than she's ever been, and it's the attitude. It's everything about this character. I love this. I want a physical, classic women's match. No gimmicks. Give me a great women's match because there's grudge on the line. I could not be more excited about this. And WWE, if you take the belt off back right here, title, you're going you're gonna to take a piece of my heart with you. Yeah, I'm going to save you a little bit here because the truth is the hotness factor is completely attitude. It's attitude and it's look. It's the way she's dressing and presenting herself and her character. And just how... 
it's such a drastic difference. Now, I'm curious to see if we keep getting this like steampunk entrance and ring gear, or if they actually do debut something new at Super Showdown that treats her like a normal person who's not trying to wear like this chrome and orange crap, right, that she wears. So that all matters to me too. The presentation, you guys know that. We talk about it all the time. Theme music. You want to talk about changing Nakamura's theme? Becky needs a less face theme now. She does. She needs something more hardcore, more rock. So she needs to change. But I think it would be a complete injustice. I don't care what story they tell if Becky gives up the title here. Wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. I want her going over Charlotte strong. I want her getting over clean in the middle of the ring. And I want Charlotte to be in chase for a good period of time to the point that Becky has to fight other opponents maybe after Evolution. And then Charlotte doesn't get her retribution until Royal Rumble or on the road to WrestleMania. Yeah, just don't do it now. I know you're trying to get Charlotte's uh, title amount up and by the way i'm the only one saying that and i believe that she's gonna break rick flair and his record of course wake up for this but no not now don't do it don't you dare do it because then you'll double cross us you first cross us when you didn't pump becky when she deserved it and then when you finally make her into the best thing she ever was don't take it away from her now li- from me sorry don't take it away from me because that's what <laughs> you'll be doing all right now listed ahead of this believe it or not on the super showdown card is ronda rousey and the bella twins going up against the Riot Squad, and a six-woman tag team match. Now, as much as this match may be putting me off, BC, Monday night on Raw, that match between Ronda Rousey and Ruby Riot, I'm not going to say it was Rousey's best match in WWE. Yeah, but, don't overdo it. But don't holy overdo. crap, she looked good. Ruby Riot looked great. Riot sold for her the entire match. I am thoroughly, again, thoroughly impressed with Ronda Rousey. That was a good match. That was, that was better than good. Thought it, was, it was, wasn't great. Let's not go overboard. I didn't say Dude, that. Dude, I can't get over the, the gloves and the bad makeup and the weird hair. I can't do it, okay? Oh, it's been toned and down. And when she tore that It's been toned off, down, though, BC. What? The bad makeup and stuff, that's been toned down. The gloves are still there, and they're the weird. What is she, Wolverine's wife? Oh, come on. <laughs> the whole, here's my thing here. Don't do the Hogan tear the shirt. Just don't. Why? Why? Do you know who's going to be really cool? Badass former UFC champion Ronda Rousey. Okay, you sprinkle a little bit of Roddy Piper on her for, you know, reasons of legitimacy and putting her over more. I get that. No more comic book Ronda Rousey and no more, why am I ripping off my t-shirt like Hulk Hogan? What are we doing here? Yeah. We need, we need well, I think we need heel Ronda Rousey faster than we thought. Is really and if they're going to do that, at least let her sleep with her best friend's husband and get caught on tape saying the, no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just that's just. It's time for Nikki to turn on Ronda sure. or really plant a seed. And hey, joke again on Brie injuring people. Can Brie fake injured Ronda? I mean, can that ha- can that be the t- the way we turn it? What's going on here? I mean, I wouldn't mind them losing this match. I think it actually makes more sense for them to lose than to win. Yeah, and the Riot Squad has really been overachieving in this role lately. And now, that, like you said, they toned down the mischief. Now they're more about helping each other. Oh God, you only live once. Lives uh lives in a very attractive woman, but not with this pink hair. Pink hair is terrible. Can't do it. Yeah, roll on, roll on. Yeah, that was that was our men's only portion of the show brought to you by, yeah, no, go keep, keep rolling, <laughs> no, roll on. Pink hair does, does not work. Uh, okay, WWE Championship, let's get into the business that we have chosen here. AJ Styles defending against Samoa Joe. Now, on the go-home SmackDown BC, we did not see AJ Styles, nor did we see Samoa Joe live. Instead, we saw Styles deliver a message from his couch that he is not leaving his home until he knows Samoa Joe is on a plane for Australia. <laughs> I honestly fully enjoyed it. What about you? I did, but I was—I gave them more credit than they deserved. I was expecting the whole time 
for Joe to sneak up over AJ's right left shoulder. Been great. And there was a window back there, and I'm waiting for his face to flash. And like one of those things where it's like an Easter egg, and only if you saw it. We didn't get that. We didn't get footage of what would have happened last week when Joe tried to enter the house. I know right. Paige sort of explained the situation poorly. She yeah. got flack on Twitter for calling it the what the worst moment, the worst thing by a rest, you know, and of course it led to many Chris Benoit jokes, including one by Dave Meltzer. So um, we don't have to go down there, but yeah, I like it. Um, this is a regular match or is it, was it no DQ, no count out, no DQ, no count out, which doesn't fix the way the last match ended. No. So here's, I don't think they're putting the belt on Joe and we've argued title, this every yeah. match in this match might be one too many in this feud. This has been a great feud. In fact, we've said this could be your feud of the year. So why am I arguing that it should end? I'm not saying it should end. I feel like it's a lot in a short period of time. And I either want to see a classic from them, but you're not going to get a classic because there's too much grudge involved. So I kind of wish we didn't have gimmicks in the past. And then this was your gimmick match. This was your Yappa Pie Indian strap match. The main priority is, is to get the body in the proper position for the strapation dudes. Because nobody's more deserving of an opportunity at strapation than AJ for what he's been through. But my point is this, which I teased earlier. We've talked about that. Look, Samoa Joe's the best thing going. He deserves the, the title on, on, on. I think they're going to keep it on AJ. I think this entire feud, they're going to keep it on AJ. Because all the heat is on Joe. Guys don't get rewarded after so much heat like that. How the hell did Hulk Hogan come up with the word strapation? Like, what mentally was going that on? That was such a weird time. That's the, that was the end run of WCW, but Hogan had turned back to the yellow and red. I want to know the inside story. Somebody's got to do a 30 for 30 on that. Strapation, match, man. That's the match never even happened. Somebody's got to really, yeah, okay. those promos so, are... So I, I agree with your analysis, though. Like, as I want Samoa Joe to have the title. He should have the title, I think. If you and I were booking, we would both give it to him. But it just doesn't feel like they're going to. And coming out of the tease with Nakamura, if Joe doesn't beat him, then what, Miz is going to beat and beat him in an underhanded way? And that's how you're going to get the title off Styles? Like, someone strong should be challenging Styles and taking the title off of him. And it really should be Samoa Joe. But I kind of agree with you that I don't ultimately think that it's going to happen, at least not in Australia. Okay. Yeah, I think, this, I think they're setting him up for Hogan booking, really, where it's like you lose the entire feud until the last match and then you win. Possibly. All right. A lot of show, a lot of stuff still to talk about. Not much show left. The Shield going up against Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, Andrew McIntyre. This is basically the co-main event, in my opinion, BC. On Monday night, the Ambrose drama continued. Reigns interfered in Strowman's match. Ziggler was called the weak link by his team. And then he comes in and interferes with Drew McIntyre to help him get one up on Seth Rollins. And then the trio, let's call them, laid out the shield to end the show. For me, this really did build a lot of interest into this match at Super Showdown that I truly did not have previously. Do you agree with me? I'm the opposite. I'm not totally negative Nancy here, but I do think I had more enthusiasm and I felt this week that they spun the tires in the mud too much. And it's one of those things where it's like, do I need of the six of these guys to see four of them compete in singles matches every week and then the next week another tag match and the next week a six-man tag match? It's hard to complain when the wrestling's this good. And this week, these two matches, wrestling was pretty damn good. I just don't want to be burnt out on this because this is going somewhere. This is going to Survivor Series. We can tell. There's This is well, involving almost all of the major championships on Raw. This matters. I felt this week they just sort of were like, hey, let's invert a few things. We'll do it over again. We'll do what we already did. 
we'll get you to down under. Well, you're going to have to also get us into the desert pretty soon. So I want the story to have meaning. I don't just want to keep seeing them chase their tails. Well, they, I mean, I did like the way the show opened where Baron Corbin gave him a pretty interest, gave Dean Ambrose a pretty interesting option. But then took the options off the table and just said, "Ah, you're going to fight exactly. Roman." When he should have said, "Great writing," and then it got pulled. Well, well the the way it says, "I'm not going to give you a choice. You're going to fight Roman Reigns for the Universal Title." That's how you book that because you're you're, face, you're forcing them to go up against each other, and you're forcing the division or the division you're trying to create to, to continue. That didn't happen. They split them two to the Dogs of War, if you want to call them that. One to the Shield in terms of those matches, and Roman Reigns going over Dolph Ziggler. No surprise. Hours after we spoke with him about his booking. Um, I don't know. Look, here's quick, quick prediction. The Shield wins. P- yeah, pinning Ziggler, Ziggler in the Look, middle of the ring. I'm more interested in the storyline. I'm interested if we're going deeper on the on the slow Ambrose turn or if it's going to be a trick in the end. Look, storyline-wise, they still have me. Just do something with this. This is one of those deciding matches, Adam. It if is. this show's going to be nothing or something. Totally agree. It, it does decide. However, the real deciding match, and... WWE closed Raw very, in my opinion, very, very strong with The Undertaker and Kane, Brothers of Destruction, double choke slamming Triple H, and Shawn Michaels, who, I don't know if he's getting hair plugs, I don't know if he just shaved his head, but something's going on with Shawn's hair. Well, let's save that. Maybe hey, Brutus- friends don't let friends get haircuts, didn't the? Wasn't that the old Metallica joke after they cut it? What is going on? Maybe, here? Uh, I can't deal with this. Maybe Brutus Beefcake finally got his revenge somehow on Shawn Michaels. Um, so here's the question, and I said this about the prior match, but did the finish of Raw BC make this feel special to you? I mean, there's that elephant in the room. Hey, Kane, I know you're, you're you're busy these days. Can you shave your chest at least? I mean, it looked <laughs> like he rolled right out of the mayor's office. He did oh, look, he's on, he did. He's been on the bench. He's still pretty jacked. You like this. People on my timeline were split. Hey, one of our best Aussie uh, DMers, Mick Johnston, just came in as we're recording this and was like, you say, get 50-year-old Kane off my TV. Mick Johnston saying, get 50-year-old Kane out of his damn country on Saturday <laughs> in Australia. Shout out to you. You know, I, I, yeah, I could come back with a Katie Vick joke. I don't have the time. Um, I don't hate this, I could say, but I didn't really love it either. I think my problem is that I'm so over The Undertaker. He's so damn washed. He's he's He was Patrick Ewing in a Sonics jersey. Now he's Patrick Ewing maybe in a Magic jersey or maybe uh, on the bench with the Heat as an assistant coach. He's hella washed, and he's dying his hair black, and that's fine. But I got a lot of DMs I don't have the time to read about. Can we even like that segment with how bad the the combined hair was on all four? (laughs) Uh, The funny jokes. Adam, there's something really washed about that segment. If it really mattered, if this was WrestleMania, I could be a little bit more excited but this is underwritten by the money, by the fact that Shawn Michaels is only back because of the money. They're not doing this because we deserve this as fans or because Shawn probably wants to or all that. This kind of is dirty. And you add that it's really washy on top of that. No, I didn't like it. I hated it. Guys, I'm done with 60-year-old Kane and Undertaker. You know what Hulk Hogan, my hero as a wrestling fan, was not doing at this age? probably because all of his back muscles had died. He was not coming out on Raw, okay? Yeah, maybe he was in a street fight with Sting and TNA. Maybe that was equally equally as groggy, but I can't do this anymore. I'm done. 
If I was an Undertaker mark for life, I'd probably love this. I'm done. It's bastardizing Sean's return. Trips was the coolest guy in the segment, right? Yep. <coughs> Trips is probably on the better uh, juice of all four of them. That's probably why. No, oh, all right, all right. Um, I don't have expectations that this Who is going to do BC? anything but anger me. Who wins? Not the fans. <laughs> WWE shareholders, stockholders. Give me, give me a pick. Who wins the match? Uh, I, you have to lean to Taker getting the rub okay. of these four. For, first and foremost, don't you ever, ever put Patrick Ewing on the heat. As a coach, as a player, never. That is oh. an insult to the Knicks, Knicks fans, and Patrick Ewing. And Knicks fans have been through enough. Never. Yeah, he assistant coach for like a Washington while. Washington Wizards, Houston Rockets, Orlando Magic, Charlotte Hornets. Never, uh. ever the Miami Heat. Okay, now that that is out of the way, first and foremost, prediction. Triple H wins this match. HBK sweet chin music to The Undertaker. Kane laying outside like a dead fish or something. Triple H hits uh, pedigree, gets the one, two, three. That's number one. That's out of the way. Number two, as much as I feel the same way as you do about the money, about them bastardizing HBK's return, not for this, but for money in the sand too, which I'm going to be pissed off about, I'm going to save that anger for a month from now. For now, I'm going to talk about Raw. That segment was hot fire. Kane showing up, not from the entrance ramp, but surprising, you know, HBK from behind. That was cool. Undertaker doing the same thing. That was cool. Triple H looked great. HBK still can move. So while half of that ring is completely washed, and by that half, I mean the Brothers of Destruction, the other half, you're like, man, these guys can still go, and I am kind of still interested in seeing it. There's nothing that different with Triple H and HBK than Ric Flair, not now, obviously, but 15 years ago, when he was still competing, when he when, they're not fighting over anything. No, it's all BS. It's crap. It's crap. But what I'm saying is, I'm interested to see Triple H go not against John Cena, but in a match like this. And I'm definitely interested in seeing if HBK can go, whether as just outside the ring, you know, here in Australia, or eventually in Money in the Sand. I don't. This like- is gonna. This is gonna let us down though so I, much because uh, yes, you. You want HBK's comeback to be against AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, Correct. Dolph Ziggler, Correct. insert name, Samoa Joe. That's the guy he's – he told me twice, Shawn Michaels, in interviews over the years. Samoa Joe's the guy I want to wrestle out of anybody out there. That's what you want to see, not friggin' Kane. I'm simply saying that Monday night was entertaining, and it gave me hope that Saturday will not be a debacle. All right. That's all. And I have to – and I temper my stuff with me not being a taker guy because, look, that crowd – popped the crap out of taker they popped they did they they had hard-ons from here to tacoma they popped for all four of them and the seattle crowd even gave kane a great pop because it wasn't him sauntering down the ramp it was him showing up in a very kane-like way behind hbk and so on and so forth but look the choke slams the choke slams were labored the tombstone was labored. I'm glad get you did it. Get off my TV. Get off of Mick Johnson's country. Move on. Let's do it. Okay. So we're, we're through with WWE Super Showdown. We do need to, though, before we get out of this show, talk this week in NJPW. In NJPW. <laughs> oh, yes. All right. Yes, let's, yes. Let's now get... it's time to get into the sh- part of the show that really matters. Now you're going to see things. Oh, yeah. You're going to see Kenny Omega beat the ever-living 
Okay. Okay. We saw some poop on, what was it, Sunday? Sunday night. We also are running up against the clock, and you need to get out of here for Habib's workout. So but to get you out of here, BC, let's stop with the sound bites, and let's talk NJPW. Did you watch the entire show or just the main event? What are we talking about here? I watched the main event live. I caught up on the other three big matches that okay. mattered the most. This was NJPW's Fighting Spare Unleashed. This was a downtime for NJPW because we don't have a major event until Wrestle Kingdom in January. And I have to say, this filled that gap perfectly. Feel spot injected, feel spot violated. Revolution is where I want to live in, Adam. This was damn good. The wow. main event, this the is Golden Lovers. Defeating Chaos, which is Okada and Ishii. Look, it wasn't as good as those other two tag team matches involving the Golden Lovers in the past four months. But you know what? It was so damn entertaining. It's a great-ass match, Brian, it wasn't as good. It wasn't close. This show, amazing? No. The show was not amazing. It was good. It was an NJPW show. We have seen dozens better in the two years that we've... Only two years that we've been watching NJPW. This was a fine show. That's it. All right, we don't have time to go through the specifics, but one of our listeners does, and he's one of our favorites, and his name is at Jax Browner, who happened to be at the Walter Pyramid on Sunday for the show, had great seats, and I owed him one. Why? Because I mislabeled him a couple weeks ago during a DM as one of our Aussie brethren, as one of our Mick Johnston and Omar Al-Rashids, and he came back and said, hashtag, these colors don't bleed, Adam. This guy's a real American like Jack Swagger. He's going to drop some hot intensity on what this show was like. Jax, hit it. Oh my, in this corner, y'all just hit the jackpot. Your boy Jax Browner here to break down the fourth attempt by New Japan to bring the revolution to our doorstep. And you can tell by the accent, no, I'm not Australian, but I do have some thunder down under. Let's not waste any time and get to breaking it down. Matches one through four. Garbage. New Japan, listen to me. Your American fans do not want to see you jam your stars in multi-man matches just to get them on the card. It's not worth it. Naito versus ZSJ should be in a blood feud right now after their G1 match and the promo work done by Zack. Spitting hatred. Get it together. My review starts when the wrestling and the crowd showed up. That is Skrull and Osprey in the Junior Heavyweight Championship Tournament match. Started as hot as possible with Osprey hitting a standing Spanish fly in a near for a near fall, and the intensity picked up from there. Skrull won at 17 minutes with a flurry of power moves all aimed at Osprey's head and neck. He will advance in the tournament to face Kushida for that vacant title. Now, Osprey is going into the heavyweight division, and oh, can I not wait to see some of the matchups that he can draw in that division. Next up was the Gorillas of Destiny and the Young Bucks for the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. The crowd was into this one, and they were into it a surprising 50-50. What the Gorillas did after San Francisco in the G1 is got themselves over and into a position to be the top heels in that company. They went over on the Bucks after Matt Jackson got a back injury that he's been selling since Wrestle Kingdom. Nick couldn't hang with the two-on-one. The Gorillas are your new IWGP heavyweight champions in a match that came in just under 20 minutes. And I got to tell you, I love what Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa are doing right now. 
Next on the card, Juice Robinson defends his IWGP US heavyweight title against Cody. Man, is there a better heel tandem than Cody and Brandy right now? I don't know. Miz and Maurice, maybe. But Cody and Brandy, the way they do it, the confidence that Brandy shows when she's playing that role, there's nobody better. And the match was what the match was. I love the finish with the superplex being turned into a roll-up. That is old school, and it's right up my alley. But what everybody's talking about is Cody Rhodes spitting hot fire after on Juice Robinson. If you want to know why I like Cody and why I think Cody is a key cog in this revolution, it's the mic work. Nobody seems to put it in perspective quite like Cody. And now we're on to the main event. The Golden Lovers versus Chaos, Kazuchika Okada and Tomohiro Ishii. The match was fast-paced. The match was hard-hitting. Between Kota's kicks and Ishii's forearms, I don't know who was hurting worse. It felt like I was hurting in the crowd. And when Kenny, Omega, and Okada got in the ring for a stare down, the pyramid lost it. We've seen that match four times, and just the mention of them touching in the United States was enough to send us into a frenzy. An absolute fantastic match that picked up in intensity and near falls at the end. The Lovers may be the best tag team in the world today. And they, in this match, involved four of the best workers in the world. So it's an absolute must-see and a perfect way to close the show. But the promo that was cut after with Kenny, Coda, and Cody lining up a triple threat IWGP match, sound the alarm. Because that may start the beginnings of the Kenny Coda story that we all desperately need. Anyways, this has been your boy, the Jackpot, Jax Browner, breaking down Fighting Spirit Unleashed. Thank you to BC and Silver King. Guys, take it from here. You can follow me on Twitter, at Jax Browner. If you disagree with anything I say, at me. I'm trying to get these mentions up. Peace. Wow, wow, Adam. He, I think he's coming for that for that third spot on our show, that that Costos guest spot, that in-between swipes, come in with some intensity. That guy, Jax, brought it, Action Jax. He laid out a lot of the details that we don't have the time to get into. But, okay, argue what you want. Maybe it wasn't a super show. It was pretty damn entertaining. It moved the chains as far as the revolution. And, Adam, are you kidding me what Cody did? Not just beating Juice for the IWGP US Championship. Not just, as Jax just said, teaming with Brandy to maybe be the best heel duo this side of, no, better than Miz and Maurice, way better. They're fantastic together. But what Cody did after the main event, when the Golden Lovers won and forced his way in, when it looked like Kenny Omega said, Obushi, next show, I owe you one. You get your title shot. And Cody comes in. We don't know if he's friends with Kenny. He kind of is. He kind of isn't. He swivels in those DMs. And we have a triple threat. For only the second time in the IWGP championship history, we have a triple threat. This coming weekend, Adam, Cody, Kenny, Coda. Are you friggin' kidding me? The revolution is real. It's alive. It's well. Brian. Wow. It's awful booking. Like, no. Like, like this is this is where the NJPW shades, I was trying to think of colors, black and red shades, let's say, 
are, are forming on people who, like you, believe in the quote-unquote revolution. This was bad booking. Gorillas of Destiny winning the title is fine. Okay, they're going to continue well, that. Not just fine. That sealed that whole storyline okay, of, of gonna the continue G1. That. It was perfect. They're going to continue that feud. Good for them. Cody winning. Wait, wait, the- pause. Did you see Haku's face? He wasn't. He he was shooting, bro, with the pride. He was shooting. Yeah, okay. good for him. Great. I said fine. That was fine. Let's get out of that. Okay, good for them. Uh, Cody beating Juice for the U.S. title. Unnecessary. Match wasn't very good because Cody's not very good in the ring. Juice barely had the title, so... The push that he got for it, the, the, ju- the little juice that he got from it, gone. Uh, and now Cody, who is now the newly won U.S. champion and already the NWA champion, gets an IWGP heavyweight title match. Why? Doesn't make any sense. It's bad booking, Brian. They're giving us a triple threat match just to book it, just so that these guys can say, hey, we're doing something that has only been done once before. And you know what? We criticize the hell out of WWE every single time they do something like that. And we're going to say this is good. Why? It's bad because booking. they don't do it often, so they're going to make this fun. And here's what you're completely Brian, it's missing. bad booking. It's bad do you booking. Know what all, no, here's where you're wrong. Do you know what All In did? It showed us how great Cody is, not just as a star, but an outside-the-ring contributor as the leader of this revolution. We thought Omega was the leader of the revolution. He's actually not. Cody is the heart and soul, the leader. He's the, I don't know what you want to call him, the Han Solo of this Star Wars revolution. Whatever comparison you want to make, he's in, super important. He needed this belt. Because he's not going to carry that NWA one around for a while. All right? He's tied into this. And you know what? He may be the face of Ring of Honor in a lot of ways. But in NJPW, he's just a bit player. And I think the NJPW guys who were really smart running that company now saw All In, obviously. Saw how great he was and the impact he had and the feels he created in that match. And said, we got to start taking better care of this guy. We got to put a championship on him. We got to use him as a face of what we're trying to do in the U.S. So putting the U.S. title on him, perfect. Because you already got juice over by giving him the belt. Brian, it's awful booking. No, it's not. And here's why it's also not awful booking. They got to move the chains a little bit right now because we got to get through Jericho's cruise and we have to slow build to January, which is the next really big one. So how do you do that in the meantime? You don't give away Kenny and Coda. They tease that they would. But they save that, insert Cody in the middle, and then you further complicate matters. Because Cody, whether he's in and out of Kenny's relationship right now, he's a heel at heart. And he's going to mess with the chemistry of Kenny and Cody during this match. And even if it's just a place filler, it's damn friggin' fire. You're coming and at I this, think what you what? – You're coming at this with a WWE mentality, man. I, in, in New Japan, title matches mean something. Getting these opportunities means something, okay? This is awful freaking – Booking. It's terrible. It's not Why bad. It means something. It's not Cody's bad. the NWA and US champion. Yeah, he just won the title. So now he gets a, a, a heavyweight title ch- shot just by asking he for it. He pitched it. Kenny was like, you know what? Let's do this. It's ridiculous. It's terrible. It doesn't make Yeah, but it's an in between pay per view. Do you know how star stuff is going to be? It it's going to be a non traditional Japan match. Brian, you harp on the reason, one of the reasons you love NJPW is because everything matters so much. This you're saying, oh, it's an in-between pay-per-view. They can just throw it away and do this. Why are they having the second ever? Why are they having the second ever IWGP Heavyweight Championship Triple Threat match at a throwaway in-between pay-per-view when the title is not going to change? This is a plus because it's a throwaway no. in-between. You know what they're not having? Brian. A tag match with no titles on Brian. the line. They're having a title match that they're going to further the story of Kenny and Coda. They're going to further the story of Kenny and Cody. They're going to break apart them a little bit more. They'll probably see some ripples in there between Kenny and Coda, which will get you juice. They, but when they finally do square off and get that rematch that's deserved because Coda beat Kenny at the G1. This is awesome. And I don't know if you watched that Cody Juice match. 
But Cody was a top shelf heel. And Adam, did you or did you not see the promo he cut at the press conference afterwards on Juice? I did. The promo was good. Everything Cody does outside of the ring is great. He was very First good. of all, how dare you? The promo was fan friggin' tastic. The promo was everything that's great about wrestling, and you heard Jack Browner say it. The promo was badass. Guys, here's the deal on Cody. Is he top shelf in the ring? No. no. But he ain't no bum, as we saw against Kota Ibushi at Wrestle Kingdom earlier in this year. Does he have limitations? Sure. So does The Miz, by the way, okay? And we love the crap out of him. So let's wake up and stop thinking of Cody as Stardust. He's not Stardust anymore. He's the face of the damn revolution. And what he did on Sunday at this card, top to bottom, was amazing. And his insertion in this triple threat is smart booking. It's NJPW understanding what they're trying to do in the U.S., the U.S. fans care more about being the elite. They care more about the Cody side of things. So they put a semi-important belt on him. They put him Final. in the big match. He's going to make some mayhem happen. And guess what? It's an in-between pay-per-view, so get the hell fired up. This is better than the down You know what? I'm going to say what others won't. I miss new Japan pro wrestling. How about that? It's I miss everyone else mattering. It's all the revolution. And the best match on that card, by the way, and the best match on that card, and the best match on the card was Osprey Skrull. It was fantastic. In the, in no, no, nothing, Hathaway, else was, nothing else was good. Nothing else wow. was great. Nothing else was great. I'm sorry. Nothing else was great. This guy's so sore. This guy's so sore. I'm not so sore. I'm telling, sore. You, I'm telling you that you and many other people are overrating this particular card. I give NJPW all the credit it deserves when it deserves it. This card was nothing special. The title changes were lackluster. I, I liked the Gorillas winning. Dude, they, this card you're was wrong. way better than what WWE's giving us. Way better. Hell in a Cell was better than this card. It was. I mean, I mean, Hell in a Cell didn't suck. Hell in a Cell was pretty good. Hell in a Cell was better than this card. But no, this... Top to bottom, I, Hell in a Cell was better. Yes, Look, it was. Jack Sparner had a good point, which I think you have to understand. He's saying too many tag team matches for some of these early feuds. That's of fine. Of course, That's a fine every point. time. Every time. But you know what? This was a really damn entertaining card, and things happened in it. And Monday morning at 4 a.m. at NJPW World, you can check out King of Pro Wrestling, the next card, which has that triple threat in the main event. You'll get Ace Tanahashi against Jay White, for the briefcase in the co-main. You'll get Kushida against Marty Skrull for that vacant junior heavyweight championship. Evil against Zack Sabre. Going to be a pretty good card. I'm fired up. By the way, that... End of this revolution. Um, Oh, yeah. That Golden Lovers Okada Ishii match, by the way, will probably get like 4.5 stars or something from Meltzer. It's like a four-star match max. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying... Look at the tone. Listen to this guyy's tone right now. It's true, because I'm being honest, man. You can't be honest with yourself. This wasn't that good. I just told you last two weeks things that sucked about NJPW. You know what didn't suck this card on Sunday night? You know what did suck, by the way? Jim Ross on that broadcast. Sorry, Jim. Love you. It's not working out. I watched the. I stayed up this morning. I woke up early this morning to watch the entire thing before the show so we could talk about it. So I was fresh. I was paid full attention to it, and I couldn't believe how disappointed I was. That's the truth. We're we're on the show talking our truths. That's my truth. Wow. If only I could find the I can hear Jimmy button faster, right? If only I just, you know. I can hear Jimmy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love the last four NJPW major shows, but I don't like this one. So I can't There's hear limit to your taste. Steak is only good in the Silverstein household a few times a year. Hey, to close, I want to do a great shout out to one of our over the top DMers at Adam X Parsons. This is one, Adam, I didn't share with you, Adam Silverstein ahead of time. This, this is so good. This was the DM he sent us this week. He says, BC, you'll appreciate this. I just did a stand up comedy show in NYC. Pause the DM. Parsons trying to get over right now? This yeah, is going? he is. Yep, go ahead. All right, unpause. And after I went on, an audience member said they recognized me. However, not from my previous stand-up comedy performances, 
but by hearing my name on your podcast. Shut LOL. up. That's cool. So thank you and the Silver King for the notoriety exclamation point. You're the cynical base tart on this show, Adam Silverstein, is your guy, Adam X Parsons, fabricating a story so that all the <laughs> ITC listeners will look him up on the internet and see if his stand-up routine is any good. Let me ask you this. Was that a DM or was it a tweet? It was a DM. I'll, I'll believe it. I popped. I popped. I'll that believe DM. it. That, that, got me, that got me all kinds of fired up. All right. Khabib Nurmagomedov's calling my name. Thank you to Dolph Ziggler for stopping by. Thank you to the listeners for always being there through dirty bed sheets, through the ups and downs, through Adam not hearing Jimmy. You guys are up for the- I will be there for you. These five words, I swear to you. Damn right, these listeners. Right, right, Adam? Five-star reviews. Hit them up. iTunes, anywhere else you listen to the podcast, at In This Corner CBS on Twitter. And be sure to listen to the Habib Conor McGregor preview that Brian taped with King Mo. It was Monday's episode. It's great. Listen to it before the fight on Saturday. And BC, I got two words for these peeps. We out.